New Zealand Tech Podcast, the voice of the tech community, proudly supported by Umbrella Connect. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We are at episode 512. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and with me today, Henry Burrell. Welcome along here. Henry, great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, your first time here. Yeah. Um, Maybe you can fill listeners in on where you fit into this big wide world of tech in New Zealand. You're a new voice that they haven't uh, that they haven't heard before. So yeah, it's been good to uh, to figure out where I fit in, I suppose. So I've lived here for a year. Um, I was freelancing before, but now I'm the technology editor at Business Desk. Uh, so for those who don't know, that's a publication that uh, does what it says on the tin. It's business news, uh, but based on yeah, looking at New Zealand companies and. They've recently started a tech section, which I'm heading up uh, with a probably friend of the show, Peter Griffin, as well. He's in there. Um, so, yeah, we're reporting on all things tech, but with a New Zealand bent, basically. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, always good having uh, more investment in tech media here in, in New Zealand. So very, Definitely. very pleasing. And um, welcome to New Zealand. How long have you been here now? Been here since last August. So, uh, yes, a lot of uh, friends and family in the UK quite jealous that I'm <laughs> marooned here, but uh, I'm not complaining. <laughs> that's good, that's good. Well, um, before we dive in, a huge thank you to our show partners, Sumo Logic, Vodafone, Spark, Vocus, HP, Samsung, Gorilla Technology and Umbrella Connect. Um, now, I do just want to mention, and I did this last week as well, but we've got, a, uh, I guess, a, a, a bit of sort of delving in we might do later on in the in the show uh, to the role of media and partnerships and so on. Um, but I did want to clarify that the partnerships that we have for the New Zealand Tech Podcast uh, are not partnerships that in any way control um, what I say or I guess say about any particular company, so um, you can you can be guaranteed that if we need to talk about any of the brands that are uh, show partners, then we'll uh, we'll we'll tell it like it is. And uh, if we have those um, when we have show partners uh, on as guests, we'll uh, we'll ask them the the difficult questions if they need to be asked. All right, well let's uh, let's j- jump straight in. Now, Henry, first up, we wanted to talk about um, the new devices from Oppo, and of course there's, there's been some Apple announcements in the last few days as well, so um, we, we will come to those. Uh, but Oppo had a launch for their uh, Reno 4 5G handsets, three different variations. Uh, they've launched into the New Zealand market uh, at uh, 799 999 and 1299 depending on the, you know, the variation, uh, the Reno uh, 4Z uh, 5G is the lowest price one, then the Reno 4 5G at the midpoint, and then their Pro uh, 5G at the uh, the higher higher price. Um, launching in New Zealand actually today. Yeah. Uh, they had a launch event here in Auckland, and these things are sort of you know becoming quite quite normal. I mean they they were un they were pretty much un, unheard of. Um, other than for Apple, where the launch event was basically people queuing outside of a store, <laughs> yeah, uh, and you know for many years with with iPhone uh, launches, but there are varying events whether they're put on for a mix of sort of public and media, or this one I'm I'm not quite sure the exact mix. There were certainly um, you yeah. know a bunch of tech media there, there from there. from <laughs> Auckland and 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 Wellington. You know Peter Griffin, you mentioned. Uh, 
earlier who who writes for um, Umbrella Connect as as well as for um, Business Desk was was there uh, Mauricio from Geek Zone and um, you know a, a range of um, a range of other you know media were uh, were were represented. Um, but also at these events now we we get the uh, the influencer um, group uh, whose whose main thing I guess is you know posting uh, posting content on uh, on social media. So we do want to I do want to have a bit of a discussion about that sort of that influencer mm. role and uh, what the advertising standards authority have been uh, have sort of you know pushed out to uh, uh, to. That, that group of, of people in terms of obligations um, in in recent weeks but um, looking at the, um, the the Oppo handsets what's your what's your what's your feel did you come across Oppo much in the yeah. in the UK how were they doing in the in the UK market when you were so, there? yeah I think I'm pretty familiar with them I think they've been here longer I think in Australia uh, Oppo kind of pushed really heavily into the UK market in about 2018. A lot of ad money. They sponsored the Cricket World Cup as well. But yeah, with these phones, I think uh, it shows a couple of things just by looking at the name and the price, actually. To me, I can't wait until a phone doesn't have to have 5G at the end. Yeah. Uh, until <laughs> so we just know that that's a feature, but maybe, we'll, phone, maybe yeah. we'll touch on that later. But I think yeah. also those prices, while these devices do look good, I, I would argue that that's a bit of a 5G tax on, on some of these. So for anyone uninitiated, the Reno phones are kind of... They're good-looking, sort of premium aesthetic, but then they're not the top of the Oppo line, which is the Find series, like the Find X2 Pro, which we had a few months ago. And so Reno gets released at a rate of knots. The, the, I think the first one was only one or two years ago, and now we're on the fourth series. Um, they changed the design, so you have things like triple cameras, a nice matte finish on the back, um, the little cutout um, camera in the screen because uh, notches are already... Uh, being phased out, such is the fast-moving nature of phones. But uh, yeah, I think 999 for the Reno 4, which is the middle phone, which you and I both uh, received for review. I've been using it. It's good. Um, but then it was funny that these phones, there isn't, there isn't too much between them. Like $300 extra for the Pro gets you a slightly higher refresh rate screen, goes up to 90 instead of the regular 60. More storage and more storage, in the higher yeah. model and, and then so like on. a and then I suppose the the flagship um, camera feature as well the night video mode which you get on on the other one which uh, has an extra camera as well um, so to me they're good devices and they certainly fill a gap in the market uh, where uh, Huawei may have uh, have departed um, but then compared to some Samsung phones I'm not sure whether Oppo's at the stage yet where it can compete on a shelf next to a Samsung phone that costs less I don't know what you think. That, that's an it's an interesting point actually. Um, I was catching up with a friend over the over the weekend, and I think it was his, uh, his stepfather. Um, he said, "Oh, you can help my stepfather make a decision about a, a cell phone." Yeah. And his main issue was actually that he had a Huawei device that wasn't loud enough for him, and he said he needed to get a hearing aid. Well, so <laughs> I showed him how to turn on speakerphone, and that's actually seemed to. Uh, solve his issue so um, yep. he was about to buy a Samsung we, we had a look and um, the Samsung A31 seemed to be a sort of sweet spot for uh, you know what he was he was looking for interestingly $449 was the price mm. at, uh, at one of the you know one of the big uh, retailers I think uh, maybe a 549 is the full 
retail price, and then there were parallel import versions that were oh, okay. even a hundred dollars or close to a hundred dollars less uh, than uh, I think the price was. The original price was no no lemming. So um, yeah, looking at that, it had multiple cameras. It looked yeah you know, looked very nice. Looked to have a, a, a pretty large chunk of the flagship type features. Yeah. So. It it really does come down to what thing do you specifically want. If you want five G, then you know the Reno four Z five G, and these other products are, are quite accessible um, price points, mm. and they're quite capable. They're um, you know, a good selection, I guess, on the camera front. Reasonable amount of storage as well, which is is nice. Um, but yeah, ultimately there's there's a cachet to that Samsung brand, and yeah. that's that's probably you know the challenge for you know I think for, so yeah for, for any brand right as you you know if you've got that that strong recognition as yeah. Apple and Samsung do, and there you know there are certain things that are, um, you know associated with with those brands that. Um, mean people people will pay uh, pay a bit more. Yeah, I mean Samsung. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, much like the UK uh, in New Zealand as well, it's kind of the the Android default brand of choice. I mean, I, similarly to what you were saying with your friend, I, I get asked many times by friends and friends of friends, "Oh, what phone should I buy?" You work in tech, um, but many people, and I'm not judging at all, but they think that like Apple is Apple, and they think Samsung is Android. So it's very difficult for brands like Oppo to um, to differentiate sometimes. Um, but I think the Oppo kind of reminds me of, of Honor. Um, I don't know if you have many Honor phones over in New Zealand, but that's Huawei's sub-brand. sub-brand yeah. And in the UK, they, they did pretty well with sales where they went for a, it, I mean, it literally said on some of the phones, like the phone for the youth or something like that. And they just went and it, but they were great because they were exactly the same specs and usually the same hardware pieces as Huawei phones, but priced several hundred pounds cheaper. And I think with Oppo, the kind of aesthetic they were going for with these Reno phones, while it appeals to me and perhaps an audience younger than me, I'm not that young, um, but those prices seem a little bit prohibitive for the kind of audience maybe they were going for. I mean, and they're clearly pushing an aesthetic as well. They they launched them with two uh, local Kiwi artists. You can get like special edition uh, phone cases for them and things like that. But I don't know. Um, if I, if I was... Uh, you know, eighteen or twenty. I don't know if I'd have a grand to drop on a phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, interesting. I think there there is room for a range of brand, brands in the market, and uh, Oppo definitely on the rise. And you know, to to a, a reasonable degree, I think they could um, they could thank uh, Huawei. Yeah. Um, realistically, but uh, look, they have, they have good you know good phones in 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 their in their own right. They're now getting update, updates. Um, yeah, I think a, a reasonable amount, a reasonable amount, sort of uh, compared to initially uh, when they launched here into the New Zealand market, they seem to be pretty yeah. poor and pretty slow with yeah, getting they, updates. They've got much better. The software update situation is really good. The only thing that I would say, just in terms of uh, before we move on, in terms of um, competition for that phone, I was looking and. Uh, the, the recently released Samsung Galaxy S20 FE. Oh, yes. The, the yeah. fan edition. Fan edition, New yeah. Zealand doesn't get the 5G version, but as you might have uh, um, already guessed from my attitude to 5G, I don't think that's a big deal at the moment. And to me, though, the, the fan edition is, is um, $1,100, um, and it's pretty much the flagship S20, but with a plastic back. Uh, you've still got 120 ref- um, uh, hertz refresh rate screen, 
um, pretty much the same camera as you get on the S20. So I don't know, $100 more for the, the, the Reno 4 Pro, unless you really want 5G. I don't know if it's uh, a bit overpriced. That's where yeah. I'm coming from. Yeah, yeah. So time to talk about Apple's uh, news, which is very much focused on the iPhone 12 and yep. its variation. So we've got a uh, 12 mini uh, that becomes available for uh, pre-order early November, 7th of uh, November. There's the iPhone 12, which can be uh, pre-ordered right now. There is the iPhone 12 Pro, which can be pre-ordered now. Uh, and then the 12 Pro Max, which can be pre-ordered also on the 7th of November. So some yeah, interesting dates, um, the first of those becoming available at the end of, end of this week. Yep. I'm not quite sure around this sort of staggering of, of time frames and so on, but that's what uh, Apple has <laughs> Well, has the way, chose, the way you're thinking about it, I think, I, I don't know whether this is uh, for any production reason, but for the first time we've got four models in the new range, and it's the two models that are the same size which are available first. So the 12 is 6.1-inch display, and then the 12 Pro is the same. So I don't know. It's obviously harder to make a small and a big phone. <laughs> and we've gone a You could say they're a little bit retro. Yeah, looks like an iPhone 4, right? Yeah, they've gone back to the flat sides uh, that I personally really liked. Um, I had an iPhone 5 that I really liked. I think that was... Um, I skipped the 4, but then, no, the 4 is the classic, and... Uh, since the iPhone six, they've all had all the iPhones have had rounded edges. Uh, so yeah, returns to the flat look, but it also brings it in line with the look of the uh, the recent iPad Pro and iPad Air as well. So right. back to a yeah, pretty industrial looking phone. But uh, and there's a blue one now. Can't get a green one anymore, but you can get a blue one. Oh, well, that's uh, that's <laughs> nice. Uh, of course, there will be some interest in the fact that Apple have got rid of the earbuds and the charger. Yeah. I saw The Verge had written an interesting uh, story around uh, around this and their, their comment was uh, around, look, you know, Apple are saying this is for environmental <laughs> concerns, There's, you know, they can squeeze so many more uh, you know, shipping, they can ship uh, 70% more uh, iPhones uh, in a container, and you know, v- varying other uh, comments. Now, look, I th- I think it's great that we're, we're seeing um, you know a lot more re- renewable renewable materials going into phones, going into laptops. There are you know definitely things being done that help on that environmental front, and a smaller a smaller uh, shipping box uh, definitely plays into that. Um, but their their comments were were very much that uh, this suits Apple probably more than it suits uh, anybody yeah, anybody I mean. else, which is, is <laughs> fascinating and and probably you know no surprise if you know if we look over time then uh, you know we see a story of of price increases uh, and of you know basically building up an incredibly profitable ecosystem over a long. Uh, long period of years, and it, it doesn't seem to be turning um, you know customers off, and no. uh, people are, people are staying you know mostly staying with Apple if they've you know started out as Apple fans. N- not everybody, um, but it's um, you know probably a small enough thing that 
it's not necessarily going to lose them any uh, any yeah. measurable percentage of customers. I personally think it's something that Apple is being quite canny about, uh, and we all know that it's a, it's an excellent marketer, probably one of the best ever. Um, but with the charger thing, I'm not quite sure where I sit on it. Um, I'm not an environmental expert, but one of the main things that they pushed was if we take the charger out of the box, uh, it's going to stop e-waste. Uh, uh, but what that assumes is that uh, iPhone owners are going to rebuy an iPhone this year, and then they're just going to plug the cable. Because the, the thing is that the cable comes in the box, but at least with the uh, Pro models, I can't quite remember uh, if it's also true of the regular 12s, but the cable that it comes with is a USB-C to lightning cable. That's right. So Apple's assuming or saying that you should just use the brick you have at home. But for most other iPhones, apart from the iPhone 11 Pro from last year, the cable you get in the box won't work with the charger that you have at home because it's USB-A. So Apple's saying we're saving the environment by not shipping new chargers and we're slimming down the box. But then also most of you are still going to have to buy the charger, which is going to put more money in our pocket anyway. So that's just where it jars with me. Yes, I th- uh, it, it is an interesting one, but I think there is there is ac- there is some wisdom to heading this way over time. But I'd be a lot more comfortable with it if there was a you know some sort of reduction in price. But realistically, yeah. <laughs> that's that's really unlikely to happen from any mm. brand, not not just Apple. No. As we see this sort of thing. Um, catch catch on yeah and look I, I like that we're in a world now where you can use a somewhat generic sort of charger yeah so you know the charging device that i have and we're you know we're both using um, you know different brands of of laptops today there's three different brands of laptops on the table an acer a microsoft and an apple you can use the same USB-C charger to charge all of those yep. and you can use the same charger to charge an iPad Pro, a whole range of other devices, just about every phone on the not, market. Not the new iPhone though. <laughs> um, but not but not, not the iPhone un, unless the charging brick you've got has a USB-C port on it. Oh, so I if, see, it's a hard yeah. wi- if it's a hardwired one. it's still one. lightning to the phone Yeah, though. so it, it is interesting that Apple have stayed with that. Um, they do, of course, have wireless charging as well, and and that's yeah. kind of tied in with with some of their new uh, accessories that uh, that that leverage that. But um, yeah, I mean, look, this is a five. We're back in the five G <laughs> world, of course. Uh, the one model of phone that doesn't have to put five G on the end. Um, this will this will drive uptake of five G though. I was writing about it earlier, um, and the iPhone is the phone where it won't put five G on the end, and it will it, but it will. M- bring 5G to New Zealand because people will go and they just want the new iPhone and a lot of people will buy it and not realise they have a 5G phone and it's it's massively going to drive sales. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't want to spend too long talking about the iPhone because we, we don't we don't have it yet. No, um, unfortunately you know, not yet. Um, yeah, both of us are, are imagining that Apple must be uh, preparing to, uh, to, to, to uh, send those out to uh, media uh, here in New Zealand and, you know, Quite likely, we'll we'll start seeing devices um, this week. Well, I would imagine so because it's uh, the the first two are launching this week. Um, the as well as five G, which 
you know, I think there's this sort of chicken and egg thing with, with 5G. Totally. Networks aren't there yet, but we don't have that many phones. So um, the more the networks roll out, the more pressure there is for uh, you know, the, the, the phone manufacturers to launch 5G and, and vice versa. So this will certainly uh, help with, uh, with that aspect. Um, the other thing I'm always interested in, uh, yeah, particularly for a high-end phone, there's an expectation of really good cameras. And Apple did an amazing job with the iPhone uh, 11 uh, Pro. I, th- I thought they were doing a great job. Uh, you know, Samsung are in a very strong position with with the cameras on their top phones now. Um, Oppo and and others. You know, generally their their top phones um, really deliver from a photography perspective. Yeah. But I am very much looking forward to. Just how good the photography, particularly the nighttime photography, is um, on the iPhone 12 Pro Max, which seems to yep. um, be be the standout. It, it does um, have and better, it, and it goes yeah. to sort of a next level in terms of its uh, its sensor being able to pull in a lot more light uh, than than what we've seen before. And you know, already the the photography on the iPhone you know 11 Pro. Um, yeah, I thought was was pretty pretty impressive. Uh, particularly yeah. their their night shots, where you know they got into a great position, um, and it was really uh, for me anyway. The um, you know Huawei that had kind of led the led the way on that sort of night uh, photography, mm-hmm. uh, and then Samsung came in, and then Apple came in, and yeah. uh, it's now we, you know we've got a very very high expectation. Um, yeah, so, no, yeah, the, the 11 and 11 Pro were a great step up. Um, it's just a bit of a shame, I think, personally. I like a smaller phone. I would, If I were to purchase a, an iPhone 12 Pro, I would go for the smaller one rather than the Max. Um, so if you are listening and thinking of buying uh, a 12 Pro, then, yeah, just, just have a look at the specs. Um, I won't read them out because they are very lengthy, but the 12 Pro, 12 Pro Max does have a, uh, on paper, better camera. It's got a better optical zoom um, and an optical zoom range and a couple of other things on the wide angle uh, lens as well that is actually uh, you can't get on the smaller phone. Yeah. Uh, now, the other phone that I wanted to talk about, and we'll, we'll come back and talk more, I'm sure, about um, the iPhone once, uh, once, they're, once we've got hands-on. Yeah. Um, is this interesting device from Microsoft uh, that I've, I've had here, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks or so, which is their Surface Duo. And when I think they first started talking about this, probably a bit over a year ago. So yeah. it, it was you know a long time. They launched it in the US market. It's exclusively available in the US market. Um, you couldn't resist. <laughs> and, and well, I just thought this, this is um, one of those devices that is, it's from a big player in the market. Um, they've got a very checkered history when it comes to uh, when it comes to phones, yeah, um, but it, but it also is something new and fresh and unique, something quite flawed, I think. Probably that mm. um, most most people would um, most reviewers would say anyway, from varying um, uh, varying perspectives. Um, but I thought it was something that I, I at least wanted to get my hands on and uh, and and try it out. So the Surface Duo is the thinnest smartphone that I, th- I think exists on the on the planet. 
um, something like five 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 millimeters. Yeah. Um, but you've got two pieces that fold together. So when it's fold, you know, when it when it's folded together, it is um, you know, it's slimmer than any uh, single screen sort of folding phone. But it's got it's got you know two individual screens. I think they're five point six inches each. Now, to me, that sounded just disappointing straight out of the box <laughs> in terms of specs. Was that the you know the individual screens were smaller than than what I'm used to? Yeah. Um, what I found was actually each screen is um, is a you know much different aspect ratio than what we're used to. It's a much wider screen, and I, I guess you know I quite often use it where it's where I'm just using one screen rather than uh, necessarily having both folded out all the time. And it's actually just so much more practical than than what I've used to on on any other phone. If I'm certainly if I'm you know reading content or maybe I'm tr- I'm trying to look at a uh, a document that's you know maybe it's a PDF or something. So you've got an A4 type view. Yeah. Um. It, it just actually seems like oh why is, why don't we have any other smartphones with with that. Uh, Aspect ratio. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it, it feels like a sort of you know three by four, um, you know type of aspect ratio rather than the more yeah. sort of sixteen by nine. And I guess we've gone to even even uh, a lot slimmer than that, haven't we? Sort of. Well, that's um, the thing. Yeah, I mean, like it's, I think it's a fascinating device um, because we already in New Zealand we have foldable phones like the, the Galaxy uh, line, which is just you know. You can open it up, and it, but it's a tablet, and then you fold it away, and it's small, and that's the convenience of it. And I mean, it's impressive. But then you've, with the Duo, the the thing is, it's, it's two screens with a hinge down the middle, so you don't want to span things across them. And it's for very much a productivity focused device, uh, and it very much is a Surface. I was listening to some interviews with uh, Panos Panay, the Microsoft guy who, who was the Surface evangelist, and he, right. he refuses to call it a phone, even though it. Can phone? Yeah, he says no. It's not phone. It's a surface. And the thing that he's, he's trying to put across is that, as you say, while it is very much a first generation device with some of the software bugs you've been encountering, uh, the fact is it's more like a little notebook, really. And you're you can do two things on it if you want at once. You can have email open on one side. You can have notes open on the other side. And that's uh, it, it's you know it's very handy when it works. Now <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't work flawlessly. So I've just. I've just turned it around, and the you know the home screen, which I mean, this is something that most Android phones won't do. But you turn it around, and the home screen, you know, adjusts to uh, to your dual screens. It it adjusts, uh, yeah, actually, you know, actually quite well. Um, and yeah, you can use it in that dual screen format, and in a, in a lot of cases, it is uh, it is really useful. Things like uh, being on a video mm. uh, a video meeting. Um, and so you know, it might be a, t- a, t- a Teams call, and then actually you need to look up some bits and pieces and so on. Well, yeah, that's I mean that's what I do on my normal computer, you know, all day long. If I've got meetings, then I've you know I've got the video up on the screen, but I'm looking up other bits and pieces or I'm typing notes, and actually, yeah, having that that sort of space to be able to do that um, and to be able to do it. You know, really, really easily, and in fact, being able, you know, they've got these uh, shortcuts, so you know, you can open two apps at once, and yeah. it puts one on one side, one on the other, and you can, uh, you know, you can. Have you found uh, that it um, only behaves at its best when you're using Microsoft apps? Um, no, well, I think it's uh, the, the home, the home screen at times sort of seems 
seems buggy. They're just little oddities where things, you know, don't work, and you're, you know, you're turning it on and off trying to get it to, um, <laughs> you know, just to come right because. You know, maybe on the home screen, um, and I'm trying to tap on something, and it and it won't open. Uh-huh. And I think, what you know, what's what's going on? And you know, I went to show somebody that the other day, and I tapped on the thing three times, and then suddenly it popped up, and it all started started working. I don't know what you know what that is. It's had uh, you know one update already. I imagine give it a, you know a few more updates. It's now out there in the real world. Um, you know, it'll get more stable over time. But yeah, in terms of those shortcomings, being being so slim means there's only sort of so much battery they can squeeze in. Yeah. There's just the one camera, um, which is a, is a reasonable quality you know camera for doing video calls and so on. Um, but it's not at the the level that we're used to. And you know, for the cost of this device. Um, you know, it cost probably more than my first car. Actually, <laughs> um, it was over three thousand dollars to you know to get that and get it shipped and into you know FedExed into New Zealand and so wow, on. Yeah. By the time you pay GST and 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 so on, so it's not a low cost device. But for those who want, maybe want to be um, just having the flexibility of what. Know, the newest devices in terms of a tool to help with pro- you know productivity and and working you want want something that uh, makes you a bit more efficient with just what you're holding in your pocket yeah um, then it it is you know it is really interesting and whether it will transform the way you work um, <laughs> I think the jury is is you know is still out on that but I can see it being a form factor that over time actually, could just become, yeah, you know, I agree. One, one of the devices that that you know, I think we so. get quite used to. Because like you're saying with the specs, like it is kind of it's not the top end Snapdragon because they had to finalise when you when you make devices, you have to finalise the specs very early, and um, it just had a bit of a, you know, a bumpy ride to release, shall we say? So I think yeah. Microsoft just wanted to get it out there, show the world what they're doing. That's probably why it's only in the US because they're probably not making that many of them. Um, but I definitely think that it, it could be a device category that we could see in laptops as well. Lenovo has already done a, a proof of concept laptop, which is all screen that bends, and you just and it, I mean also the Duo was meant to be a partner device with the the Surface Neo, which there is still no news about when that's coming. But that runs Windows. It's a bigger version, two touchscreens with a flip-over keyboard if you need it. So I think uh, much like Samsung's foldables, I think a generation or two uh, in the future, and we might might see something that more people are going to get. Possibly. Or Microsoft might just kill it off. It fills right, me with so much know, sorrow. We've, 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 I mean, we've seen them kill off so many devices. What was the what was the first phone they bought? I think it was a, um, called the Sidekick, and you'd never see them yeah. outside of the US. No, um, yeah. but it was a really interesting looking device at the time that was um, sort of a a, a consumer like a some sort of consumer variation on the idea of the BlackBerry because it had the built in yeah the push up uh, keyboard keyboard right? yeah. yeah, and it, it looked fascinating and and they bought that what do they call it the Kin I think yeah the uh, Kin died and, and then- uh, that was probably a you know typical and I can't remember the numbers but you know guessing here they probably threw a billion dollars or something at you know making that happen as you know as they, as they do now yeah. now they're a trillion dollar company I guess they can afford to just make those bets and it's uh, you know um, it's not not really an issue I I don't know what they've spent on this but you know of course you know Windows Phone itself uh, you know actually worked pretty pretty well in the end once they transitioned out of Windows Mobile um, 
land, but of course, by the time they got there, they were they were so late to the party, and um, you know, it, uh, well, Microsoft, I think here, like it runs Android, the Duo, so Microsoft is just finally. Uh, realized that it had to flip its business model and rather than the you know we're, we're sitting here with two windows uh, machines mine is not made by microsoft and then microsoft is now making android hardware so it's finally decided that okay maybe we can't do software for mobile but maybe this is what will what the future holds yeah yeah well we will we will see i you know if i had to place bets on whether we're going to see numerous generations of this or whether they're going to kill it off um, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't be confident. To, really? Um, yeah, I wouldn't be confident in in that. But look, using the hardware as and I have done in the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I've grown somewhat fond of it actually, and I'm. Um, yeah, I I wouldn't carry it as my only phone. But of course, I'm someone that's usually carried two phones anyway. Okay. Um, and that actually probably brings me to another aspect of the two screens, the, the, the times when I may be doing something on one screen like a, um, you know, a video conference call and I'll need to pull out another phone. Mm. Actually, this, this does solve those, those scenarios where I'm using two phones at once so I could maybe pull up internet banking on one and then you know, look up an invoice that I've got to pay on, on another. Actually, that works, it works really well when so what, you've got the, yeah. two, the, the two screens. Um, what you're also saying is that it's really easy to procrastinate when you're on calls. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got a second screen there and the Zoom call's open there, then oh, you can have a little look at Twitter. No one will know. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's true. Um, so, look, yeah, I, th- I think it's really, it's really fascinating. It, yeah, it certainly has a, has a shortcoming or two. Yeah. I'm very hopeful that we will see some refreshes of this. I like that uh, Microsoft have been working on their software to work well across two screens because that should flow on to the Samsungs and you know others that are doing actually a fully foldable screen. Um, we should really see the benefits of, of that, that Microsoft are really working hard. And they're working hard in partnership with you know with Google directly. It's not yeah, some good you know completely weird modifications they're doing without um, Google's blessing. That's that's the way I've read it anyway from uh, from their comments. So um, yeah, encouraging to see technology uh, moving forward. Just not in New Zealand quite yet. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Next, well, next time. And, and look, we do. You know, I do like to sort of slate the tech companies that don't show New Zealand respect and release their. Um, their products. This one, it's probably a little bit harder to, to pick yeah, on yeah. Um, Microsoft because it's not just New Zealand, it's actually every other country <laughs> in the world other than the United States. Um, but realist, realistically, um, you know, that there's a lot in terms of setting up support channels and so on for launching smartphones. It's a little bit different from probably some of the other product categories that um, you know I would I would tend to um, you know tend to highlight where, where products aren't released into the local market. Um, now a few other things we wanted to chat through before we uh, before we finish up, and some of these are probably you know more more headline wise because we, we don't have enough time to sort of really delve in deep on mm. them. Um, but it was interesting to read about uh, NASA choosing a, uh, a little partnership that will uh, ultimately deliver a mobile network on the moon. <laughs> why not? I mean, they've already been to the moon, um, so why not, why not put uh, telecoms on it? Yeah, it seems that Nokia uh, Bell Labs, which is a, a subsidiary of, of the big Nokia company, has got a, a contract, a 14 million US dollar contract with NASA to yeah put a 4G network on the moon and apparently it's all part of a um, 
yeah, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, push to be able to colonize it in the next 10 years. Um, I mean, colonization of the moon has been <laughs> has been dreamt of since since the 60s. But um, yeah, it's interesting that the contract now actually exists. There'll be a lot of other infrastructure you'd have to do to put something on the moon. But um, yeah, what do you think? I mean, do you think they'll actually have 4G on the moon? Will be uh, astronauts well, uh, sending selfies back home? Yeah, I, I guess, look, it shouldn't be really a big deal to do it. And if they've been given, um, you know, load, loads of money to um, to play with, so yeah, if uh, if they can uh, they can make make that happen, then um, sure, let's um, let's let's <laughs> let's have a, a mobile network on the moon. And look, I I can't ever imagine myself you know being able to have my arm twisted to to fly to Mars if that was uh, uh, catch a rocket to Mars if that was you know ever a, ever a possibility. Um, but moon, it's it's only a few days away, so you can imagine we would get to a point where there might be a reasonable number of people on the moon, and you know, somewhat spread out for you know for research purposes and 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 so on. I th- you know, I think that that would be incredibly fascinating. And if you're going to do that, then there would be certain infrastructure that that yeah. you have to have. Um, and they're talking about they'll upgrade it to five G later. <laughs> I'm not sure how many people you need to have and how you justify that but I guess if you're putting something up there you may as well put up the the um, you know the the best stuff and have plenty of bandwidth available yeah. to I th- everyone. I, th- I think you're right. Like, what, what, it was a fun headline that that, that did the rounds. Um, but I think what it what it shows really is that now the ambition and the funding is there to actually you know go to the moon and stay there for a bit because mm, yeah. uh, until now uh, going to the moon has been you know space walks pick up a few rocks i mean you know okay i'm probably offending a few uh, people more in the know than me here but then you know you're coming back right it's not a place that you're gonna you're gonna check into a hotel or whatever but um it's exciting that at least the provisions are there for that to be a thing in the future yeah and look they're spending i think it's 370 million uh, us uh on what what i think it's the artemis uh, moon landing uh, program so across you know varying companies to provide technology and so on um, and you know this is just one of their particular um, investments and of course great to uh, great to know that uh, you know, rocket lab um, you know are, are also involved in that so you know great to have a, a New Zealand connection to um, to the moon this time this time around uh, now also, we've got uh, this week news that um, Tesla have confirmed some refreshes a- across their uh, their product range. They've refreshed their um, their Model Three, so um, my car is now um, <laughs> you know obsolete and junk, um, just no, like your no, iPhone Eleven. No, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, a range of a range of things that they've done there, but they're also across their whole range where they've made improvements to. Uh, to range and there are varying updates in that uh, in that model three they've also brought down the uh, the pricing um, certainly here in, in New Zealand the price has uh, has fallen but when I when I look at it um, to buy the same car that I bought 12 months ago the price has probably now drifted back to around what I paid for it right Um the, the the so-called full self-drive um, or sort of semi-autonomous type features, the price on that has slowly uh, drifted up over a you know on two or three occasions, uh, yeah, at least a couple of occasions, um, you know, since that 
that initial availability. Um, so actually, you know, it would it would not be not be any cheaper if I were to um, uh, write that car off, which I have uh, <laughs> no 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 plans of doing. I prefer, to <laughs> prefer to stay alive. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's it's really cool to see that Tesla uh, c- continuing. It's a noisy um, a noisy surface duo there. Uh, you know, are continuing to to push forward on improving range and so on. And this is certainly part of the picture, I'm sure, of why um, those that have invested in Tesla have pushed their sort of stock price up so much. Oh, totally. You know, their technology, their range and so on, uh, you know, certainly compared with the traditional automakers – they still seem to be on a you know on a pretty pretty good position versus the uh, the the, composi- the competition and by yeah. you know continuing these little you know smallish improvements I think the 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 official range for the the, the base Tesla Model Three here in New Zealand's gone from four hundred and sixty kilometres to four hundred and ninety kilometres. Um, those numbers are actually complete rubbish because the New Zealand <laughs> standard for measuring this is is not real world. Um, but you know, for my one that you can get up to about four hundred k's, I you know I guess that maybe can do say you know the the new version of that would maybe do you know four twenty four twenty five okay. something something like and that. So, so a this, reasonable jump. This is something that you think Tesla will have to continuously do, right? Because they've got cars with batteries in them which will degrade. So then, well, these are literally like software updates, which is kind of crazy for a car. But. Well, that's a, this is a, some hardware changes that they've made to get that e- that extra oh, I range. See. I see. They have done some software things to improve the range, but look, batteries will degrade over time, and you know, if you held on to a, a smartphone for five years, you you know, especially you know, charging it and running it down every day, um, you know, your battery's probably not going to be in that that good a state after that period of time fortunately with cars most people don't do it from full to flat you know every yeah. every single day um and i think there, there was one just in the media um in the last week or two about the um the individual who's who's done the most miles on their um uh, tesla model s and i think they probably had a couple of battery replacements uh, along the way but they're up to about 1.2 million uh, kilometers <laughs> So you know they're certainly designed to be able to do you know hundreds of thousands of kilometres, okay. um, you know, on the batteries, and then you know they can be replaced. So um, yeah, they're in a they're in a pretty pretty reasonable uh, you know position as as far as many mm. of these things are concerned. Um, That's but cool. it, it it will be fascinating just to just to see whether yeah the the traditional car makers or, or which of the traditional car makers you know do really well in electric. Yeah, um, and also in the autonomous space, where you know we've seen some interesting um, bits, bits and pieces going on as well. Uh, saw news out that uh, Cruise, which is I think owned or partly owned by uh, General Motors in the US, uh, have got their uh, now been sort of you know confirmed to be able to uh, drive their their vehicles uh, in a completely driverless uh, manner uh, within uh, California, and they're planning to do that around San Francisco. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's there's a lot going on in in that front, and I'm really not sure how it's all going to pan out. But Tesla certainly put some some really good pressure on the others, and uh, meanwhile they uh, they're growing that business pretty well. Yeah, it seems so. They're pretty much yeah the only car company that hasn't gone <laughs> like under recently. So I mean, Elon Musk is doing something right, and I mean he might be the one putting the 4G network on the moon if uh, Nokia can't do it. So who knows. <laughs> Yes. Oh, and I did. Um, I meant to uh, mention actually that um, 
the that uh, Starlink, which is the uh, the satellite um, service from uh, SpaceX, is coming to New Zealand. So uh, yeah, we can we'll, we'll, we can keep watching that. Haven't had too much uh, information through, um, but particularly if you're in the lower part of the South Island, I'm I'm hearing um, that's uh, that's possibly the best place. So if you're interested in in uh, maybe getting on their trial, um, go and and look up the um, the Starlink website and put in your address. And uh, yeah, if you happen to be in the right place, they uh, they might get in touch with you and uh, maybe offer you some service. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, I mean, there's reports in the US where, yeah, as you say, if you go to the Starlink website, you can you can sign up and put in your address and you can cross your fingers. And uh, supposedly some people in the US have been sent uh, kits, so basically just a little satellite dish, so, so it's reported. Um, yeah, and you'll be able to test for free uh, and, and um, see if, uh, yeah, satellite internet service it will, could be a thing yeah it'd be interesting if it does come here mm, um yeah so yeah the the bits and pieces i've heard suggest it's definitely definitely coming to new zealand and yeah the the amount of coverage that will grow over time as they roll out more more satellites but um yeah i i heard some whispers that uh that uh, might not be so far away so yeah, definitely get in there and, and, and sign off uh, if you're interested. Um, other news: uh, Spark have extended their f- sort of 5G network. They're now um, in Auckland, so that will be uh, very pleasing for people uh, buying new iPhones and wanting yeah. to test out the the top speeds or or, or with uh, 5Gs from uh, uh, devices from uh, Samsung or Oppo. Uh, Etc. So yeah, good good to see that that that's happening, and this is exactly what we like is seeing that competition between our our top uh, you know telcos and seeing you know Vodafone and and Spark uh, you know really competing and yeah. uh, and you know pouring money into uh, improving their, their networks, whether it's uh, um, yeah, coverage, which of course you know the government has really supported across all the networks in, in rural New Zealand, uh, and they're, they're you know very much working together on that, um, or or expanding the the performance of the networks, which is is a key part of five uh, G. Yeah, um, and of course you know ultimately getting a, a better coverage into uh, stadiums and, and locations where they can support you know crazy number of connected devices. Oh, yeah, I think right? I think that's the thing. That's the thing that I would that I would um think that five G would improve most of all. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, it's the capacity of networks. The fact right. that if you if you're all at Eden Park and you're all trying to like yeah, do an Instagram story and um, on four G it's probably gonna either not work or be a bit slow. And the capacity of that is, is I think um at least more of a you can demonstrate it a lot easier because sometimes yeah. speed I mean like unless you want to download like Lord of the Rings in one second like really most of the things you can do maybe gamers would disagree with me and they're, they're going to want that latency yeah. but yeah the cool thing that Spark did that we that we uh, wanted to highlight was um, down in down in the viaduct area of Auckland uh, they've got you know a few things like smart bins that they've rolled out on that network so that they know when they're full and supposedly they will only call the bin men when they're full. So you can yeah, see how it I'm, could affect infrastructure and things like that. I'm really like interested that. to see, you know, how those how those dots join up, and you know, what what are those um, 
you know uses of the the internet of of things and uh, you know street lights that are uh, more connected and of course a lot of these things you think well do do you need necessarily need five G or IoT to to do those things. Well, as the cost of that, you know, really comes down, um, it's going to be, the, you know, probably the the appropriate way to connect yeah. up um, so so many things, and it will give a you know a level of control that yeah would have previously been you know unheard of. You know, you can imagine um, streetlights, you know, which in, in the past, I guess. Um, you know, I, I don't know too much about maintaining street lights, but if the you know if the bulbs blew, that that was an issue. Of course, LED lights kind of address that because you put a you know a whole lot of LEDs up there. Uh, if it's pointing at the wrong angle, I would imagine you could put some sort of motor up there and uh, mm. actually you know remotely control and adjust those things. Uh, certainly, it seems they've got control over brightness now that they can do remotely. Um, and yeah, there are there will be no doubt uh, lot, lots more things sort of coming down the track. I, I hope we get the balance right. We we look at uh, you know some parts of the world where there's mass surveillance and yeah, how much surveillance gets built in and how do we keep that secure? And yeah, that's um, another that's another kettle of fish. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, lots lots <laughs> there to, uh, to to think about. Um, and you know, of course, we recently heard about uh, New Zealand uh, police doing uh, you know, facial. Uh, facial recognition, putting that sort of technology. So, you know, I do hope we find the the right place for these things. Um, now, I wanted to qu- a quick mention uh, Strip Stretch Sense. Now, um, they their business has been recovered because they um, they got they basically the original business got into trouble where um, and they work with uh, basically sensors built into fabric. So they had uh, done these sort of suits that you know you could put on that basically sort of you know worked out your your measurements and what size clothes you would fit yeah, and yeah. Um, and that that business although they had you know a fair chunk of funding and you know unfortunately didn't work out um, but they've got fresh funding and and a, a new approach and they're really working um, on the the Hollywood front aren't they and um, yeah I'm quite keen to see they've got this uh, sort of smart uh, smart glove. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I'm 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 very curious to see will that just be Hollywood or will in the future this be some sort of you know mainstream thing that ties into uh, you know gaming and and sort of you know general uh, user interfaces or yeah it's interesting as a, as a product like for for business rather than consumer it looks like maybe they're going down here because the thing before was a suit where you could put it on and it would tell you your measurements so you could get tailored clothes but and that was a potential use case and um yeah it's a shame they had to make quite a lot of redundancies last year so um but then the company coming back and then yeah as you say concentrating on these gloves is pretty interesting and i've seen the ceo i think he is um saying things about how in in uh, motion capture a lot of it isn't based on the hands and you have to do a lot in, in post-production so it's a very niche thing when you think about it for industry but if there's a new zealand company providing uh something that will, will make people's jobs easier in gaming and animation then that's a, another another great uh yeah use of technology um that hopefully we can export successfully yeah yeah i i, I hope so um and I, we're kind of running out of time so we might have to delve into this on, a, on another occasion but 
sort of keen to 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 investigate the new uh, rules that the, the ASA, the Advertising Standards Authority, of uh, or, or guidelines that they've put in place around the role of uh, influencers. Yeah, and you you were uh, mentioning to me around um, yeah, both of us got sent some um, this new Wi-Fi uh, router from uh, from Google. Uh, recently, and uh, there was a, a note in there saying <laughs> that if you if you talk about this on social media, you need to market it as an advertisement. Yeah, yeah. Um, because they've they've I guess you know they've given you the review product. Yeah. So yeah, to be to be completely transparent, when Paul and I yeah we uh, review uh, products, sometimes they are gifted, uh, and as Paul mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, in terms of the sponsors as well, it does not affect our editorial opinion on the product. Um, uh, but sometimes uh, products are given and then you have to return them. Um, and in this instance, we were told for the Google Nest uh, Wi-Fi router that, oh, you don't have to give it back. And then so when I pulled out it to review and I was thinking, oh, maybe, you know, might be a good one for social media because it's a new Google product in New Zealand, which we don't see very often. And then I saw a little note. that no, Not a particularly new one, though, no. internationally. But, uh, <laughs> we got it a year late, but, you know, new to our shores. Yeah. Um, and it just said at the bottom, um, as a little note, if you're posting on social media, please tag it as an advert uh, or hashtag ad or I can't remember the wording. And then I was puzzled for a couple of days. I didn't post anything because uh, I'm, my editorial opinion on the product has not been bought. Um, I'm not a, an influencer, quote unquote, and I wasn't paid to, to, to do that. So then I, we were kind of having a look and I, I wonder whether it was a mistake that that was put on something that was sent to to, me, to media or journalist as opposed to somebody who would, um, Google would think was an influencer. And if you look up the definition here, it sort of says that um, the broad definition of an advertisement in this new ASA ruling uh, classes it as something that uh, rage of advertising activity controlled by the advertiser. But what it does say here is it does not apply to product packaging, bona fide news, reviews, and editorial and broadcast content not controlled by advertisers. So basically, if you're reviewing it, like we are, yeah, it's not an ad. So I think it was potentially a mistake, but what it brings up is kind of where, where is the line drawn? And I suppose it's a good thing that this uh, new code guidance is out uh, for advertisers because sometimes there's content out there and, and it's really not clear enough to, uh, to consumers that, that, that it's been paid for. I'm not going to call out any names specifically. Um, we, were, yeah. we were looking at, some, at something recently, which you can see how that could have, this particular content, some uh, you know, video content in, involving a tech company uh, in New Zealand, and you could see how it possi- you know, possibly could have uh, yeah, not, but not been clear. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this is, it is a really interesting one in terms of yeah, how you give that appropriate um, you know, clarification and um, yeah, how do you how do you be uh, yeah appropriately transparent? It's funny. It's just the mixing of two streams, isn't it? Because obviously we're all used to you know staring at a Coke billboard and then really wanting a Coke, and you know you just get over it and you, that's advertising, right? But then the fact that advertising now exists in this sort of quasi world of um, you know people you see online. Uh, influencers. I, I'm, I'm an old person, so I can't, you know, pull a pull a successful um, New Zealand influencer out of thin air. But you know, if you see them using X phone or you know drinking that drink or whatever, if it's not labelled, that is a bit of a problem uh, because it will influence people's yeah buying decisions. Yeah. Um, so for yeah. that not to be labelled advertiser content is a bit of a problem, and it's just funny that it kind of yeah crosses over slightly into the tech world as well. Yeah, yeah, it does, and um, yeah, we'll definitely something we'll, we'll delve into a little bit more. But you know, I, mm. I saw somebody recently's got 
you know, tens of thousands of followers on social media, been, I think, flown somewhere and then shared a review about it and put on there, I am not an influencer. And it's like, well, how do you, you know, how do you draw yeah. and define these lines? And, you know, personally, you know, I've never, that's not a term that I've liked to be associated with. Oh, you know, you're being, as, you're being as, modest, Paul. As influ- no, I think <laughs> I don't, it's not just not a term that I particularly, no, no, I know. you know, like, but, um, you know, it's kind of like, oh, okay, so who does and doesn't fit in that category and, and well, that, what do you do you have to say? And so I think it's good having some guidance. I'm not sure if they've quite got it right, and I'm keen to delve a bit more into it. So, you know, we'll see how that uh, how this evolves, and, you know, hopefully that it'll it'll develop to, to suit a broad, you know, a broad range of scenarios. Areas, which I'm, I'm not sure their the guidance is, yeah. is maybe initially sort of just just um, to end. But enough. yeah, I think the problem might well be in not the definition of, of when it counts as advertising, but like you say, the definition of, of what an influencer is. Yeah, and realistically, everybody's an influencer, right? Yeah. All, all of you know, most of our listeners will be talking to other people about technology and influencing them. Uh, yeah, and it's just the wrong word probably in, for in what it's trying to encapsulate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been um, great to have you on the show. Now, um, those that are are interested uh, in catching your content, yeah, we, w- what do they need to do? They need to sign up and spend some money, don't they? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, it's the it's the eternal refrain of how to make money in journalism. But yes, Business Desk uh, has recently um, pivoted, so we are now a full uh, news like editorial uh, board. Um, so yeah, it's, it is, it's a paywalled uh, news service, but um, definitely worth it, obviously. And you can go there and there's different rates for businesses uh, as opposed to individuals as well. So we're kind of like our target audience um, it is kind of the companies we're also writing about. Um, yeah, so, well, yeah. I, I signed up, I think, um, you know, it's $250. I think it's probably, you know, gives gives a year's worth of yeah. know, access to, uh, to the content. And, you know, those that are wanting to get, uh, you know, broad access to, um, you know, coverage of, of business and, you know, related uh, topics such as, uh, you know, technology, I would, uh, you know, hope are, are going to get good value out of subscribing, um, you know, to the varying media platforms in, in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I guess it, you know, depends uh, what you do in terms of whether you're willing to spend any money, whether you're whether willing to spend with sort of, you know, one or two, or, or whether exactly. you, you, know, yeah. you can invest with with all of them. And uh, look, I'm I'm you know I'm still not quite sure, but you know at this stage, um, you know I think it, it makes sense to um, you know check out and and support uh, journalism here in, in New Zealand. And you know over time we'll get a bit of a, a you know a feel for. Uh, you know, you'll you'll find what you probably gravitate to more and and uh, and consume the most content yeah. um, from. Well, we're biased because we're journalists, but um, yeah, no, I think uh, Business Desk is doing a good job. I'm new, so I'm still allowed to uh, to uh, <laughs> wax lyrical about them a little bit. But no, it's it's a it's a, it's a business that I'm excited to be in. And um, yeah, going a little deeper on some of the issues um, because we have the staff and we have the time, so uh, you're, you're paying for sort of a, a bit more depth of content, hopefully as well. Excellent, excellent. Um, and look, apologies if our audio sounds a little <laughs> bit different this week. The the room, the, the studio we're in is uh, uh, got a little bit more of an echo than what we used to uh, because it hasn't been quite finished off. But um, we had a, a VIP, an ex prime minister, in, the, uh, in our main <laughs> studio uh, today. So uh, so we've got uh, uh, shunt, shunted off to. Uh, uh, to the the cheap digs, but um, they should be sounding a lot better within the within the next few weeks. So ne- next time when we record uh, in here at the um, at Studio Two in um, the 
podcasts NZ um, studios so that's us for this week thank you everybody for uh, for listening in and we will look forward to catching you again on the next episode next week thanks Henry cool thanks for having me cheers bye New Zealand Tech Podcast the voice of the tech community proudly supported by Umbrella Connect